Higgins now lands, swings, and he crushes it. Left center field. Warning track walk. Goodbye. Today's episode of the WAC Podcast is presented by Hercules Tires. Now here's your host, Eric Danner. Welcome to the WAC Podcast. My name is Eric Danner. This is week number three of the WAC Podcast. And on today's show, we're going to have Shaney Fink, the Seattle U Director of Athletics, in our final segment. We're also going to have Chris Thompson, the Assistant Commissioner of Media Relations for the Western Athletic Conference, stopping by. But to start off with, as we have for the previous two episodes, we have our superstar in the making here, Rachel Vihill, the on-air talent and broadcasting coordinator for the WAC. Rachel, how are you doing today? Eric, first of all, I love you. That was so nice. <laughs> that was like the best introduction ever. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. I also need to mention that Hercules Tires is the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference and for over 65 years has been providing tires with unbeatable quality at unmatched value. Whatever the vehicle, whatever the terrain, Hercules Tires invites you to ride on our strength for a retailer near you. Visit Hercules Tires. Dot com And Rachel Her- Hercules obviously was the sponsor of our basketball tournament, which we didn't get to uh, do this year, but uh, want to thank them for sponsoring the WAC podcast. And even though, and this is the th- third week in a row, uh, there, there's, you know, we're in the lockdown and hopefully everybody's staying safe and, and all that good stuff. And hopefully everything is, is safe with you, Rachel, um, that there's still things going on around the WAC. First off, though, I want to ask you, uh, how was the weekend? Uh, we had Easter uh, this past weekend uh, here in Colorado. We got some snow, and actually it's a pretty cold and snowy day again today. Is that the case up in Denver? It is, yeah. Last week was beautiful, like 70 degrees. I was going outside a whole bunch, loving it. And then, of course, Easter Sunday was snowy and cold, same as today. But Easter was good. Uh, I did a lot of Zoom calls with family, was just able to kind of talk to them. You know, I was telling my boyfriend that, Although we're being stuck here and it really is unfortunate, like normally we wouldn't call family members who like we wouldn't typically see. So I feel like it is a sense of bringing everybody closer a little bit that we're able to like hop on and talk to these people that we wouldn't wouldn't normally talk to on like a random Sunday or even a holiday. Yeah, that's a good point, Rachel. I know I've talked to friends that I don't normally talk to as much. I'm probably talking to them more. I talked to my my mom, uh, instead of maybe once a week, maybe three or four times a week now, because you, you want to check in on everybody. And But it's also a good chance to maybe reconnect with people as well. So that's, uh, again, we try to look at the glass half full here on the WAC podcast, and we're talking with Rachel Hill. Rachel, uh, last week's big news, we had Paul Coro on the show, and as we were recording it, he thought that they would be hiring a women's basketball coach uh, by the time we hit the air. It was a little bit after that, but... Uh, GCU hiring Molly Miller as their new women's basketball coach. And this uh, this is a person who's had a lot of success. She's had a ton of success. Reading her resume over, I was amazed, and I'm very excited for GCU. I think she's going to be a great addition. I followed her on social media, and she is already like full lopes, go lopes, everything about the university as well. So it's great to see that. Plus, she's going to be on our all-access segment this week on yeah. Thursday. So I'm very excited to sit down and talk to her and just kind of pick her brain and see what she's been up to and what she's most excited for. Yeah, that, that's been a, a real nice segment. If you haven't checked it out on Instagram Live, Rachel's been doing interviews each week, uh, the first two weeks with, with student-athletes, and she'll have Molly Miller on this week. And it allows fans a chance to, in real time, if they have any questions, they can help chime in or, or things like that. Now, last week, uh, Rachel, you had Erica Mattingly, from Kansas City, who was our WAC Player of the Year, and 
and they had won in the first round of the WAC tournament. Uh, what uh, what kind of things did you learn from Erica Mattingly during that interview? I think the biggest one, and I was most surprised by that, she is not completely closing the door on her playing career, but she has decided to go into coaching. Uh, you know, being the player of the year, and she won a big award in Kansas City, too, last week. So it's very surprising that she wouldn't want to continue playing. But I kind of feel like with everything going on, she just feels like she for sure has a job doing coaching. And she's going to her old um, alma mater, her Juco school, Butler. So it'll be great for her. Uh, obviously, she, uh, Coach J.C. Hoyt from Kansas City told me that she's, like, such a positive role model. All the younger women look up to her. So I think she'll be a great fit in at Butler. Yeah, she definitely seems to have that temperament for a coach. I had a chance to watch that interview. She has a very uh, mature uh, presence about her that uh, uh, very coach-like, I would say. And uh, yeah, she'll be back at Butler Co- County Community College, I believe in the Wichita area there, which is where she's from. So uh, great for her to be able to go back there and, and be a coach next year. And, and yeah, you, you never know when uh, an opportunity might come up for her to play professionally somewhere as well. And that award, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, Rach, but I know, I believe Patrick Mahomes was the male recipient of of whatever the award was. Uh, So he won last year's. And then Coach Andy Reid from Kansas City was um, one of them. And then so was Tyron Matthew from Kansas City as well. Uh, So it was the uh, the Kansas City Sports Woman of the Year is what Erica won, which is a huge award out there. But Patrick Mahomes won last year. So now, Kansas City is going to be leaving the WAC, as is CSU Bakersfield, but coming in next year, we have Dixie State University and Tarleton State University. And Dixie just made a hire with their women's soccer coach. They hired Molly Rouse, who, who's going to come in and, and coach the uh, Trailblazers and got to be excited for uh, DSU and having a new soccer coach out there. Yeah, I looked up her resume as well. It looks like she worked for Minnesota where she also played and she played professionally too, which is great. I always love seeing women that have actually played professionally come in and be coaches. I think that they have such a great insight, especially for other young women in the or that are playing. So um, it's going to be very exciting. And I feel like the fit is just really good for DSU as well uh, and coming into the D1 and the WAC. Now, uh, ESPN, uh, I know you and I are both sports junkies, and we, we watch ESPN all the time anyway, but uh, they, they had their horse contest. Um, <laughs> and it, it's interesting because we work with ESPN uh, for some of our championships and so, some of the things we have to do. Uh, we have to make sure the upload speed's uh, 20 meg uh, to do an ESPN broadcast. I don't think that was the case with uh, – Trey Young. I don't know if you had a chance to see that uh, Trey Young versus Chauncey Billups horse contest on ESPN last night. I didn't get to see that one. I tuned in for about five minutes. Um, It was something. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I love the ideas behind it. I think it's great. I mean, it's a contest, right? Like, we're all craving competition. Uh, But yeah, I think it's very just interesting how they are putting it all together and internet has definitely been a big part of it as well yeah it's, it's been difficult i mean like you said everybody's craving content but um i think the production value uh, maybe people didn't realize what goes into putting on a live broadcast that they're used to seeing in terms of uh, watching a basketball game or watching a, a soccer match or something like that so so when they do see something that's basically shot on somebody's phone it's it's a little different. So uh, shout out to uh, uh, Chauncey Billups, the uh, king of Park Hill from the Denver area here, uh, beating uh, Trey Young in that first horse competition uh, uh, on ESPN. 
Yeah, no kidding. Love to see a Denver alum be able to do that. Uh, represent the state of Colorado for sure. Actually, Eric, it's funny you said that with how much money actually goes into a broadcast. I heard that Altitude Sports, who is the regional sports network here in Denver, they spend $100,000 at least to do one Nuggets or Avalanche game. Yeah. And when you look at all the different cameras and how much the cameras cost and and when they go on the road and yeah, it's, it's a lot of money. And so, I mean, uh, shout out to, to ESPN thinking outside of the box for some of this stuff. Now, Scott Van Pelt, I believe they were ending it last week, not hundred percent sure, but they've been doing the senior night shout outs. And it was funny. I was in uh, the other room and, and my daughter uh, happened to have the TV on. She was working on her homework and she says, they just talked about the whack on ESPN. And I'm like, what are you talking about? So I go and I, I rewind the uh, the DVR deal there. And sure enough, Scott Van Pelt gave a shout out to Zach Nelson from Air Force and Air Force, a member of the WAC and Men's Swimming. It was our swimmer of the year. And he, he got a senior night shout out. So uh, kudos to SVP there. But that's been a real nice thing that ESPN has done the past few weeks as well, honoring those those seniors who didn't get a chance to finish their seasons. That's so cool. I can't even imagine seeing my picture or video on SVP. I feel like every sport athlete, every sport fan watches SVP at least a little bit or knows who he is. And, you know, he has such a high rankings too. So it'd be so cool to tune in. And he, I think he's done a great job with that as well as just giving people the credit, especially when, again, we're kind of all craving content and it might be people you'd never heard of. And now they're a little bit on your radar, right? So you like Zach Nelson probably never expected to be on SVP. Luckily with technology too, we can always find it. I know I saw that on Twitter, so he can always have that video. Yeah. Uh, full disclosure there, Rach, I uh, pulled out my cell phone and recorded my TV and tweeted it out on the uh, the whack account there because I was like, hey, there's some content for us too. So uh, kudos to, to Zach Nelson. One of the other things ESPN did, if you happen to see it uh, this past weekend, they did an E60 feature on, on Pascal Siakam. And uh, what a great job uh, Lisa Salters did on that story. And, and just so many layers to it coming from, you know, where his father passed away, he goes to New Mexico State, uh, has the, you know, was in the G League. And then, you know, they weren't sure if he was going to, you know, turn into the player that he has. And he, he was most improved player in the NBA last year. And then he wins an NBA championship ring. And then this year, he's even better. He was in the all-star game. He's, he's now the face of the Toronto Raptors. So a really amazing story. If you have a chance to see it, if they replay it, I haven't seen if the, if it's up on YouTube or on ESPN somewhere uh, that I definitely recommend to see that Rachel. Yeah. So I actually went looking for it yesterday. I wasn't able to watch it on April 11th on Saturday. So I was trying to find it last night to watch it and I couldn't, and I don't know if it's because streaming usually takes a little bit longer, but I was trying right. to use the app and I just couldn't find it. There's little clips here and there that I was able to watch, but I couldn't find the full piece. So I'm kind of waiting and holding off to hopefully wait, like wait for that to come out again. And then the, uh, Three versus or the the three on three contest that's happened the past few years. Uh, they have a three on three competition between conferences that uh, was typically uh, at the Final Four in uh, it would have been in Atlanta this year, and they decided to do an online competition this year. and uh, And uh, kudos to WAC fans for coming through because the WAC won the uh, the three on three championship with the online voting. 
It was so cool. Uh, one of the SIDs had reached out to me. I didn't even know this was going on until we were in the semifinals. And he's like, look, this is really exciting. He's like, can you tweet something? And I was like, heck yeah. And then I was following it like every other hour or so. And I was checking and I was like, okay, we're getting closer to winning the semifinal round. So I was like, all right, let's wait and see. And then we made it to the championship. And I was like, all right, we got to pull this off. This is awesome. And then we were behind for a little bit. And I was like, oh, no. And so uh, – like two hours prior to probably when the contest was ending and we pulled ahead and we actually won by a good margin. I think like six percentage points. Yeah. And the team that they put on there would have been Carlos Johnson from GCU traveling queen from New Mexico state, Leslie Varner, the second from UTRGB and they put David, but I got to think that was Davis, probably (laughs) Davis from, from CBU. And I I, would have paid money to see that team. That would have been a pretty good team. Right. Yeah. I remember watching last year's uh, 3v3 competition because uh, the players win a certain amount of money, too. But I mean, I think that would have been a great team if they all would have made it. Talking with Rachel V. Hill and Rachel, uh, the, the Wacketology uh, wrapped up last week as well. Uh, and uh, New Mexico State winning uh, both of those, probably not as wide a margin as I would have anticipated since Mexico State was the only a current WAC member that was in that WACatology, but the 2020 team uh, defeating the 98 Utah Utes on the men's side and then the 2017 women uh, beating your CSU Rams from 1999. But again, a, a pretty close margin. And on the men's side, actually on the Instagram side, Utah had more votes than New Mexico State. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a great, first of all, excellent job there, Eric, putting this all together. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun to watch and to vote on too. Uh, it was interesting that Utah came through a little bit on Instagram. I didn't expect that. I expected that more on Twitter, if I'm going to be completely honest. I feel like it's easier to find, you know, with retweets and everything, it's easier right. to get the message out to other schools. Um but at the same time, no surprise that New Mexico State fans showed up and supported both of their teams. I do, however, think it would be very interesting if all of those schools were still in the whack, how it would have ended. Not taking anything away from New Mexico State and everything they've accomplished. I just feel like it would be extremely interesting to see how that went down. It would be. And then in our Whack in the Day segment this past week, we revisited the 50-year anniversary of New Mexico State's trip to the Final Four uh, from 1970. They were actually an independent back then. And uh, Lou Henson was their head coach. They had three guys who, who went on to play in the NBA, Sam Lacey, Jimmy Collins, and Charlie Chris. And and I, I know they've, uh, I believe the team uh, was back in Las Cruces either this past year or the year before. And uh, what, what a great team that was. I mean, to go all the way to the Final Four from New Mexico State, played UCLA in the Final Four. And, and the Bruins, of course, were on that great run where they won like, 12 or 13 and, thir- you know, like 12 out of 13, something something crazy. UCLA was so good back then. But uh, then they actually had a third place game back then, which I didn't realize. And they beat St. Bonaventure, which uh, back then had Bob Lanier, who, as I looked it up, he was actually injured at that time. But they beat them for the third place game. So what a great team. And, and also Seattle U actually had a Final Four run back in the 50s, believe it or not, uh, when Elgin Baylor was there. So we, we have some great history in the WAC, and it's always fun to revisit some of that. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. And it's going to be crazy to look back in 50 years and see, you know, these teams that we're watching now be in the history books, too. Yeah, absolutely. Rachel, want to thank you for taking some time out today. I hope uh, you stay happy and healthy and uh, warm, as as it turns out here with uh, the snow falling in Colorado. 
Yeah, you too, Eric. Stay nice and safe. Stay home. Again, let's continue to fight this and just beat it so we can get back to sports and, you know, get back to our normal daily lives. All right, that is Rachel Vigil coming up next. We're going to talk with Chris Thompson, the Assistant Commissioner of Media Relations for the Western Athletic Conference. You're listening to the WAC Podcast. We would like to thank our partners, Hercules Tires, Ticket Smarter, and Adidas. Now, back to the WAC Podcast. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. Eric Danner with you, reminding you that Ticket Smarter is the smarter way to buy tickets to live events. If you're looking for experience and enjoy the power and excitement of all the best sports, concerts, and theater events, visit TicketSmarter.com. Download the app today. Don't miss out. Smart fans, start at TicketSmarter.com, and hopefully we'll be able to, to see some live events before too long. Joining us now on the WAC Podcast is the Assistant Commissioner of Media Relations for the Western Athletic Conference. His name is Chris Thompson. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you, Eric? I'm I'm hanging in there, Chris. Uh, obviously, it's it's not the ideal uh, time here, uh, as far as well weather-wise. Anyway, we're here in Colorado, and it's it's snowy and cold anyway. But uh, as far as as what you got going on uh, in terms of media relations, and then also I think we've also, as parents, kind of had to put on some other hats here during this uh, quarantine period, Chris. As as we can add a teacher to our list of uh, responsibilities. Yeah, I'm getting ready to update my resume with a first grade teacher. Uh, I've got a first grader who's <laughs> upstairs working on some stuff right now. And um, yeah, it's it's been a trip. Talking with Chris Thompson. And I uh, wanted to get into uh, to baseball with you, if, if you don't mind, Chris, to start things off with and, and how uh, Major League Baseball was kicking around the idea of doing a five or 10 round draft this year. And I got to imagine that's probably in jeopardy as well, not knowing when and and where things might get started here. But uh, with baseball in particular, we've spent a lot of time at a uh, a spring training stadium, Hohokam Stadium in uh, Mesa, Arizona. And there's a uh, a proposal floating around out there that uh, Major League Baseball could potentially play their entire season in Phoenix in these uh, spring training stadiums. And uh, obviously, we we have a couple of guys, uh, former WAC guys, that play in the major leagues. But uh, that that's that, that's an interesting concept, and just not knowing how that might impact minor league baseball guys getting drafted, that type of thing. But the idea of having uh, the entire baseball season in Phoenix. Yeah, I'm not sure if uh, Arizona's where I want to be in the heart of July and August. Um, but it, but it's a it's a interesting idea and. Uh, you know, from a fan's perspective, it'd be fun. Obviously, those games would probably be closed to the public. But uh, my mother-in-law lives down in the Phoenix area and already talked about, man, if they have fans and you could go and you could maybe see a couple games a day because uh, how close those stadiums are together, that that would be fun. But, you know, it, it's it's interesting to see these things pop up with Major League Baseball talking about uh, playing in all the games in Arizona or half in Arizona and half in Florida. You've seen things with the NBA. Are they going to take over Vegas for a month? Even the NHL, not quite as destinations. I've seen uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota, and uh, Saskatoon, and I think Manchester, New Hampshire, I think I've seen up there for the NHL. So uh, it, it's interesting to see the, the big boys try to deal with some of these situations that uh, we deal with as well. Yeah, and the the island idea for UFC, I saw that from 
Dana White as well. And uh, the, the baseball thing, though, I, I just wonder, I mean, if, if they're even going to get a major league season in. So how does it impact minor leagues? And then how does that impact the draft potentially? And of course, Nick Gonzalez is a guy uh, by all the publications that we're talking about a top five possible pick. And how would that, you know, impact his future in, in the sport? And you know, typically, what, what do we get, 15 or 20 guys drafted each year and sometimes some come back but a lot of times uh, we have a lot of guys playing in the minors come June yeah it, it's it will be interesting to see how that all plays out in the next month or two uh, you have somebody like Nick Gonzalez he's going somebody will sign him uh, regardless of, of whether there's a draft or not he's going to uh, get in the system somewhere but there are a lot of players that maybe go in uh, that second half of the draft that play their way up into double-A, triple-A, or maybe even the big leagues um, as it goes. You know, it's going to be interesting to see the effect on college baseball. And and there's been a lot of talk of, do they play some this fall? Uh, what's it going to mean with roster numbers? I know you had Marlon Edge on uh, last week talking about uh-huh. some of that. And uh, you have programs that, you know, it's from our level, we, we see uh, SEC programs and ACC programs complaining about having too much talent. Um, and, you know, what are they going to do? And, they, you know, we we signed this guy that we thought would be picked in the 12th round and go, uh, you know, go into minor league baseball. And now all of a sudden he's coming and we've offered him a scholarship. Uh, I, I'm personally interested to see how that kind of comes down to the mid-majors. Uh, and does that mean that maybe there's somebody that was going to go to Arizona or Arizona State that ends up at Grand Canyon or – uh, somebody that was going to go to Texas or Texas AM or Baylor that ends up at UTRGV. It's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how the right. rosters kind of end up. And with those 15 to 20 guys that, that might normally go to the minors that were juniors the year before, they would be coming back. The potential of seniors who would be graduating potentially coming back. And then the influx of new freshmen who might have been drafted uh, out of high school and gone into minor league baseball. There's going to be definitely, especially in baseball, uh, an influx of talent. And, and you said it could really help uh, the uh, talent level across the board next year. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the hope. I think there's, uh, it, it's, it's funny. There's a lot of experts with everything these days and, and you read about college baseball and some talk about how this is going to really elevate it uh, as a sport and, and the talent level. There's other folks that say this is the worst possible thing that could happen uh, to college baseball. So it's all about perspective as <laughs> everything is. That's probably somewhere in the middle. Now, now Chris, your role with the Western Athletic Conference as the Assistant Commissioner of Media Relations. I know uh, the past few weeks you've been in communication with the sports information directors around the league. And maybe if people aren't exactly familiar with what SIDs do and and what your role is as kind of the uh, the, the coach or the uh, the leader of that group and, and some of the things that uh, that you've been doing the past few weeks. Sure. Um, well, I always say the SIDs are the ultimate behind the scenes, kind of kind of the wizard behind the curtain there. Um, for fans, I mean, if you're logging onto the website, if you're checking out the stats, if you're doing any of that stuff, if you're checking out the rosters, you're checking out headshots, the SIDs had something to do with that. Um, so, you know, in terms of, of my role, I just try to support them as much as I can. And uh, in the last month when we've had a lot of uncertainty. I've just tried to, to keep my phone open for phone calls or texts or emails and, 
and just letting them know I'm here. I don't know what I can do to help. I don't know where you need help, but I'm here. Just ask. If you have a question, you know, I'll do my best to get an answer and, and advocate for you. Um, but it's kind of, it, it's, it's, uh, it really is just that kind of behind the scenes. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough job, but it's certainly a great job for somebody who loves sports. And then as far as communicating with the SIDs around the league, and, and I know you guys have been uh, bouncing some ideas off one another in particular, what to do uh, during the, this time that we don't have sports. Right. And um, I, I have to give kudos to you and Rachel with the WDN on um, some tremendous stuff that you've done, including this podcast and Wackatology and some whack in the day things that you're working on. And Rachel has some uh, all whack all access stuff. So a lot of content's getting out there. Um, I'll give a special shout out to UTRGV, uh, Danny Elizondo, Jonah Goldberg down there do a tremendous job in just generating content. And that's kind of what we were talking about on a call that we had with the SIDs uh, about a week and a half ago is just how, how can we get content? What's out there? You know, is it looking back at former teams? Is it spotlighting seniors that didn't get the chance to get recognized this year? You know, what is it? And, and it's going to vary for each of the schools, but, um, you know, the, the one thing I could say about uh, SIDs is it's a very collaborative group. If coaches that are um, trying to get the edge on each other, the SIDs, we all need each other to get our jobs done. So um, it's always a good working relationship and a lot of good ideas. And nobody's afraid to say, hey, that's a cool idea. I'm going to steal that from you. Talking with Chris Thompson, the assistant commissioner of media relations for the WAC, and also uh one of the things that you do is, is also administering awards and in uh, in the spring in particular, obviously we didn't get to finish the seasons out. So uh, a lot of the awards that, that might've been handed out are, are, are now not going to be handed out, but you can't really do it if you don't have a season. Right. And you know, that was a nationwide conversation among conferences. Uh, I'd say it conversation probably started about two weeks after everybody saw their uh, seasons come to an abrupt end of, you know, what are you guys doing with this? And I think the general consensus and all, uh, you know, there's, there's a couple outliers here or there, but the general consensus is it just doesn't make sense to do the of the year awards, your player of the year, coach of the year uh, for those spring sports that really didn't get a season. Uh, we use the conference portion of the season uh, to help determine those awards. And we ask our coaches to look at that when they're voting on it and, you know, frankly, we just didn't get to the conference portion of the season. And um, it's unfortunate heartbreaks for those players who I know worked hard. And uh, especially for some of those players that maybe would have ended up getting a second team or, or honorable mention, or even just the players of the week who, you know, you have a role player that has a great weekend and picks up hitter of the week. And it's something that, you know, that that's right. not where they're going to be. They're not going to be an all conference player. And that's an opportunity for them to get recognized. Um, but when it all came down to it and talking to folks around the, the country, uh, you know, I think it was just the general consensus that it doesn't make sense for that. But I think there's going to be a lot of folks that are going to try to find ways to uh, honor the athletes of spring 2020 uh, and, you know, COVID-19 class. I don't know what how it's going to end up being, yeah. being named, yeah. but I think that um, there's going to be some sort of way to recognize this group. Uh, in the future. Yeah, and actually we're talking to Shaney Fink, the uh, Director of Athletics at Seattle University in our next segment. And uh, I, I know we're going to talk about uh, 
some things that they they would like to do to honor some of their seniors who didn't get a chance to get honored. And I believe at Seattle U, they're looking at, uh, you know, there's they're still a, a strong uh, hope that they have a graduation ceremony of some sort, probably in the fall. But uh, just, you know, hopefully when we do get back to normal, whatever normal is here in a few months, that we uh, get back to being able to honor people that way. Yeah, I mean, from the WAX perspective, I think anything we can do to honor uh, those athletes, we will do, um, whether that's honoring their academics, if we're not able to honor uh, their on-field, on-court uh, stuff, if we can honor them for the academics and what they've done from there, um, we're going to do what we can to make sure that those uh, athletes are recognized. Now, Chris, I, I know you have a lot of different things going on. I, I know you've worked as an umpire uh, for baseball. I believe you've spent some time as, as an official, possibly in some other sports, obviously uh, scoring games. Uh, you have some involvement with the Denver Broncos on game day. What, uh, how did you get involved in all that? You know, uh, I think it all started when I was about 15 and I realized I wasn't going to become a professional in any, in anything um, and, and just realized, you know, the athletic talent wasn't there, but uh, the love for the sports was there. So even back in high school, I, I helped out uh, athletic training with football and basketball and, and helping run the scorebook and, and scoreboard for basketball and getting to know, you know, all these athletes were my friends. So it was an opportunity to hang out with them. And uh, it, it moved on to college at Central Washington University and somehow been able to make a career. But uh, for me, getting involved in some of the other stuff, when you're an SID on campus, you're at games all the time, you're around athletes all the time. And and that's one of the things that at the conference that we really don't get to do. Uh, we get to see the games in person if somebody rolls through Denver or uh, at the championships, but you don't get that kind of game day experience that, that you get when you work at a school. So for me, a lot of that stuff is an opportunity to just kind of keep some of that. And, you know, anytime you get paid to go to a NFL game uh, with free parking, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, you know, the opportunity to to be on the field post game or locker room and and maybe get to know some of the guys. I mean, it's uh, I'm I'm blessed with the opportunity and and the Denver Broncos, the staff over there is is tremendous and it's it's great to work with them and I have a good relationship with them where you know they ask my opinion on things and I see how they do things and uh, I think it helps make us all better. Well, hey Chris, want to thank you for taking some time out here. I, I, I know. Uh, uh, you're you're cooped up inside there, but uh, uh, want to wish you well and say hi to Oscar and the family for us. Same to you, and I, I just uh, hope that everybody stays safe and uh, hope to see you all at the ballpark and arena stadium sometime soon. All right, that is Chris Thompson. Coming up next, we're going to talk with the director of athletics from Seattle University, Shani Fink. You're listening to the WAC Podcast. Today's episode of the WAC Podcast is presented by Hercules Tires. Now, back to the WAC Podcast. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. Eric Danner with you. A reminder, Hercules Tires is the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference and for over 65 years has been providing tires with unbeatable quality at an unmatched value. Whatever the vehicle and whatever the terrain, Hercules Tires invites you to ride on our strength. For a retailer near you, visit HerculesTires.com. And as promised, our next guest is the Director of Athletics, at Seattle University. Her name is Shaney Fink. Shaney, how are you doing today? I'm doing just fine. Thanks, Eric. 
Cheney, uh, th- thanks for taking some time out for us. It's always good to to kind of go around the league and and see how people are, are reacting to, you know, what what our new normal is at least for now, and and being uh, you know uh, in, inside and and trying to figure out how to uh, communicate with our staffs and uh, and all that good stuff. Obviously, Seattle uh, has probably been dealing with this maybe a little bit longer than the rest of the country, as as that part of uh, your state was affected by the, the pandemic, maybe before the rest of the country. How is uh, Seattle doing right now? And, and how are you doing personally during this, this quarantine? Yeah, you know, um, it has been uh, just to be at the epicenter is what they were calling it at the beginning. Right. Definitely uh, just on a day-to-day basis, we've been through a lot um, and to see everybody kind of um, working together and trying to figure out how best to manage day to day. It's been just uh, really interesting more than anything. Um, I think Seattle right now is very quiet. Um, we've, you know, and, and I think because it started here and there's such an obvious um, impact on, you know, on health and wellness of the community, and you could see it um, that pretty early adapters and people staying inside and, and doing their part to um, see how we can help manage this situation. So it's been really difficult. It's been, you know, and I know everybody is dealing with this. Um, so really just kind of working together to, to move forward. Talking with Shani Fink, and obviously we're, I'm at my home in Colorado Springs. I assume you're, you're home in Seattle there. How, how do you uh, communicate with your staff? Are you guys doing Zoom? Or are you doing something else? And ha- how often do you, do you get in inter- interact with people on your staff? Yeah, you know, we've really, I feel like we've gotten into a pretty good groove with the communication. Um, working directly with my senior leadership team, every morning we um, connect with short uh, Zoom calls. I think that's been helpful in um, the communication and, and staying really focused on the different goals that we have for the day. Um, I've found Zoom to be very effective for us, but um, it takes an unbelievable amount of energy to spend time on the calls. So really trying to keep them shorter and um, be really focused on what it is we we want to communicate with. Our coaches and our staff has been um, reaching out and working directly with our students. So we have so many different ways that, you know, ultimately that's our our main focus is making sure that the students are well supported. Um, so every different communication um, vehicle that they've, you know, have typically been using, um, we've been using. So it's been, um, you know, head coaches connecting with weekly, and then just the university making sure that I'm on track with what's going on and involved in um, campus decision making has been really important. Um, it's we've just been adjusting and, and knowing that um, you're going to continue to tweak and improve what you're doing um, as we learn more, um, but making sure that that communication is there. I think the hardest part is, you know, so much of what we do in um, Seattle, our offices are very open and we have a lot of, um, you know, hallway conversations and organic conversations that lead to kind of the fun, innovative, creative ideas. Um, and so finding ways to still pull that in um, has been really important. 
Yeah, that's been a, a thing for me. I'm a collaborator. I uh, before I, I was working in collegiate athletics, I, I worked in a newsroom. You know, I, I was a, a news reporter for for a short amount of time, and I was also a sports anchor. And just you're used to that, you know, bouncing ideas off of people and getting ideas from them, and giving you giving ideas to them. And it's just been a, a different uh, set of circumstances being stuck at home. But at the same time, at least we have these uh, Zoom type calls and, and things that we can do to uh, communicate with one another. Now, we, we mentioned at the beginning of the interview, Shaney, that Seattle was the, the first uh, metro area hit by the pandemic. Uh, uh, and, and it's only, uh, what, a, a little over a month ago. It's not even, it seems like a lot longer than, than it is. But uh, Seattle U was actually one of the first campuses in the country, I believe, uh, to shut down and, and go to the online schooling. And looking at it now, I mean, obviously, that that was the, the right decision to make. But at that time, I imagine that had to be a kind of a difficult decision to make. Yeah, you know, um, it it was, and and there's so many impacts. And I think one of the things I really appreciate about Seattle U is it's always about the students. It's about the greater good, um, and the all the decision making has been very much lined up with recommendations by the CDC, by um, you know the community, by the the um, Seattle city by the state of Washington, um, and making sure all of our decisions are aligned with that. So while it was kind of early, it was also in kind of the right context of information. The, the one thing I always have held on to, cause you just end up making so many decisions as an athletic director is, you know, the, the best that you can do is, um, you're making decisions with the information you have at the time. Um, and that's, it's got to guide everything we're doing. And I think that it, so even though it was on the earlier end, um, it perfectly aligns with what was going on, um, in the community and state and in line with our values as an institution. So none of it, um, is surprising. Talking with Shani Fink and men's basketball, uh, that last week of the, the regular season we're supposed to host. A couple of games didn't have an opportunity to, and maybe with some of the other sports as well. Shaney, is there any special plans for for ways to honor the seniors? Obviously, we're all in lockdown here, so there's not really much you can do in terms of in-person, but uh, are there some ideas what you can do to maybe honor some seniors who who didn't get to finish out their seasons? Yeah, you know, that was um, just so disappointing um, and heartbreaking to, to have those seasons cut short, you know, and and with basketball in particular, you know, our men's basketball didn't have their senior game either. And so then they go into the tournament and at the tournament, we were hoping to honor them um, and have that opportunity. And so there's, um, you, you know, you, you want to do it. You want to be there. And we're trying to let them share their stories. Um, and you'll see a bunch of those on our website. Um, but I don't think that we can do it justice, really. Um, and so we're we're continuing to work with them. We're going to continue to coming up with fun ways to do our student athlete awards at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have invited the the seniors who, um, with the NCAA's granting of the eligibility, we invited them. Um, certainly, that we would love to have them back. Um, it's not really realistic for all of them. Uh, they each, you know, you you're going in your senior year and. Um, if some of them already have their job offers, they already had graduate school plans. Um, but we are excited that, that some students do plan to return. 
Now, how does that uh, decision with with the NCAA granting another year of eligibility for those spring sport athletes, how has that impacted Seattle U? I know around the country, all, all the schools now, especially baseball, maybe more so than, than some other sports where you potentially have some, some guys turning pro. What, uh, what impact has that decision uh, made on your campus? Yeah, you know, we're still kind of working through it. I think for the, just the starting point was, oh, you know, if there's a way for them to to come back and participate, then absolutely. And it it's certainly, um, there's some costs associated on campus, but there's also, you know, a cost to the students that they really have to weigh and see if that's what um, they want to do. I don't think there's anybody who would say, you know, they're just that you want to play, you want to have that finishing out um but it's just not possible for everybody and they they do they're you know you get to your senior year you're super excited about your season um but you also get to the point where you're like you know excited about the next phase of your life and i think the uncertainty right now is um, making that decision even more difficult for students so we have some that are deaf that are absolutely coming back and they um, will be enrolling in um graduate schools at Seattle U so that they can have that last um, season and some students who are still deciding what they're going to do. I'm glad that we're going to be able to offer this opportunity um, for them. And and I think really it, it comes down to each student really looking at their situation and making this decision that's best for them. Um, it, it's just heartbreaking to have your opportunity cut short. I mean, that's, it's, it's why we do what we do. It's why we do the work right. so that they have this opportunity. So I'm glad we're able to offer it to them. Talking with Shaney Fink, Director of Athletics at Seattle University. And saw recently, Shaney, uh, the winter quarter, some of the grades uh, came out. And uh, if you could uh, explain to our listeners uh, the quarter system as opposed to the semester system, and also it, it, the uh, student athletes uh, doing another great job uh, with uh, a great GPA there. They are so impressive. I just, I mean, to, to imagine, right. So they were finishing out the quarter, the last, um, you know, just a, a few weeks ago. So school went on, um, to online, they still had another week of regular classes. Um, and then just, and just after that, they're moving into finals. And so for the students to maintain their focus, um, every one of our teams, it, average GPA was over a 3.0. Wow. Just exceptional. And then yeah. students who, you know, 4.0s, 3.5s, they're just phenomenal. So I was really impressed. Um, and I think, you know, you get a lot of that from athletics. You get that resilience and that persistence um, and just so proud of the students. And I think our coaches supported the student athletes and encouragement and keeping them, you know, you keep your eye on the prize. And ultimately this is about um, setting up for graduation and setting up for your life after college. And um, so that was great, but it's, the quarter is fast and furious. So we've just started um, again, we had a slight adjustment to our, um, our spring quarter uh, to let all the, the professors have some time to kind of reset their classes so, so they can do them um, more of the distance learning um, but Seattle U Education is really 
it's high context, it's high touch. You know, you have 12 students in the classroom sometimes. Um, so the, the faculty really needed to reimagine their courses um, to get ready for the spring quarter. So very impressive. Um, and then we're, we're back at it. So the student athletes are back in the classroom um, and we'll finish out the year in the middle of June. Yeah, that's uh, the one thing about Seattle U may be different from the rest of the schools in the wacky graduation typically is until middle or end of June. I don't know how things are going to play out nationally or locally there in the next few months, but it may be a chance that they might have a graduation. You know, we've already um, looked at that and decided the um, university ran a survey with the seniors to ask them kind of what their thoughts were and overwhelmingly um, students wanted to come back on campus and think it's pretty clear that June is not going to be possible for that. So we're looking at an October on-campus graduation. Good uh, good stuff there. Talking to Shaney Fink and looking back on the 1920 season, uh, obviously this is going to be the thing when people look back, as you mentioned, 50 years from now, uh, this this is going to be one, one for the history books. But in particular in the fall, the, the soccer teams at Seattle U both winning uh, WAC championships. I, got, I have to imagine uh, from your standpoint, as if you're looking at highlights of the year, that has to be right near the top. Oh, it was so much fun. We had such a great fall. And, you know, it came after, um, you know, the, the, right, the, the year and the momentum of the year, it, it does um, keep playing on each other. So we had a great spring with the women's softball winning the championship last year. And then um, but one of our really we had this red tie fundraiser in June that hit our all-time high. And then you come into the fall and both the men's and women's soccer teams win the regular season, win the tournament um, championship, and then go into the NCAAs. Uh, just great momentum, great energy on campus. So we're really excited about the, uh, you know, the winter sports and um, things seem to be moving in the right direction um, across the board. So really just, and I'm sure that there's not a single athletic director that was moving into their, you know, in the middle of their conference championships, you know, you go into those knowing that your coaches and your student athletes have prepared for that tournament. Um, so just the, the energy and the, the hope and the optimism and the momentum and everything kind of plays into that. I think that's what makes it just so particularly heartbreaking um, not to be able to play out that, you know, by the time you get to that point in the season, right? Like you've done your, you've done your homework um, and you're ready for it. So a lot of good energy and, and we're going to find ways to, to keep moving with that. I think our coaches um, and you can just see the way that we're, everybody is working together and, and looking for opportunities of supporting the university and supporting each other um, that we're just going to keep moving with this momentum going forward. Well, it turns out our, our last whack sporting event of, of this season was Seattle U defeating Utah Valley in whack Vegas in the third game of the quarterfinals and Seattle U was a seven seed uh, beating Utah Valley a two seed, but uh, the Red Hawks certainly look like a team that uh, maybe from two years ago that won the WAC tournament championship and, and maybe was uh, maybe a lot better than that seven seed would indicate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and there's a couple members of the seniors of that team that had participated um, a couple of years back in the WAC championships and, and winning and moving on to the NCAA. So, 
fun to to see them. I think um, you know there there was they were the seventh seed, but they were you know also just days before also the uh, tied for third. So you know, it, right. the difference between the the third and the seventh was just nothing this year. Um, so I think we would have all seen on both sides, men and the women, just a really competitive championship. Um, so I, it's it's you know heartbreaking it's nice that we got to see that that win i think it was good for them to get out on the floor um and see you know a bit of what they're capable of we're hoping uh, the fall season will be rolling around before too long and uh, one of the things you have to look forward to shaney is is a new coach uh, on the volleyball floor names michelle cole uh, what uh, brought coach cole to seattle U? Boy, Michelle is just going to be a great fit. You know, we had with James Finley, we've had um, just wonderful stability in our uh, volleyball program, and he was just a fantastic fit for um, Seattle U. And and you know how important that is. I think Michelle comes to us with um, just unbelievable energy. You know, she was a fantastic player. She's got some uh, great experience there. I think she's going to be really solid with, um, recruiting and making sure we're bringing in students that really connect with Seattle U that are at the top of their game. Um, so it's excited to have her. She's, I can't wait for you to meet her. Um, she's just a dynamic personality, really fun to be around. And, you know, even though she hadn't been around that long before we kind of moved into this, um, setting on via zoom and you can even, you can even feel her energy through the Zoom calls. So I think we're going to really have a lot of fun um, with that team and, and really moving forward with the program. And Shani, you've been at Seattle U for a few years now. What what was your, your your particular road there and how did you get into athletic administration? You know, it's um, I, I get this question um, fairly often and I, I wish I could come up with a better story of, of the way it <laughs> Started, but um, you know, certainly was a, a college student athlete, and always been coaching has always been um, I don't know, just part of my soul. I think um, from the time I was thirteen, I was twelve, thirteen, I was literally coaching um, kids that were just younger than me. Um, but my administrative career really started with a simple question of how can I help, and ended up working in our academic. Um, in the academic student services area. And I've just always felt um, a real natural connection. I loved my student athlete experience. Um, I love what athletics can bring and, and how it develops, um, you know, just and prepares you for the, the world. I laugh at how often I'm still kind of on a day-to-day, even through this, like pulling from my own experience as an athlete to lead and manage, um, and to support other people through this, um, experience that we're having right now. So, um, you know, it's been a great path. I love what I do. I love the opportunities to continue to meet so many people. Um, and you know how it is, right, Eric? You just get, once you're in, you're just great. And there's so many different ways. Yeah, there's no straight line, I don't think. You don't go from <laughs> right. point A to point B, and these things come up, and you never know uh, when an opportunity is going to come up for you. Yeah, I, I'm sure you feel the same way, but there's something that's just absolutely, it kind of compels you towards this work and, the, and these opportunities. Um, and it's 
just been a really fun career line. So after, um, and perhaps my, you know, path was a little different in that, um, this is the only, the, well, technically it's my third institution. Um, but really the majority of my career was, um, you know, 17 years at one and then, um, being at Seattle, U now for just over three years. And then as far as, uh, being cooped up here, uh, I know your person likes to get out and, and work out and all that good stuff. How have you been able to, uh, to work out during this? And are there any things, uh, any books, any uh, TV shows, any movies that you've stumbled on during this uh, lockdown that uh, you can recommend to us? Absolutely. So I'm, again, I'm a little embarrassed to share this, but I'm probably in better shape now than I've been because um, the one thing that we have now is a consistency and stability where I think the thing that I love about working in athletics is that there's never, you know, two days that are the same. There has been a little bit more consistency in what the days look like. Um, I live in, it's absolutely stunningly beautiful in Seattle right now, right? Um, which is awesome because April can be a bit rainy, um, but it has been stunning. So I am able to uh, be outside. I, my volleyball pepper game is um, skyrocketed <laughs> because my 13-year-old's uh, first season was cut short, so she wants to play at every chance that she can get. Um, and just been able to to walk, staying far away from other people. We've been really serious in our family about um, st- not being near anybody. Um, so a lot of walking working out at home reading gardening i'm even started i haven't played piano since i was like 12 and i just started playing again wow. <laughs> a little bit <laughs> using using the time uh, the best that i can well shani we want to thank you for taking some time out i, I know uh there's a lot going on uh both at seattle you ain't in the whack you know trying to figure out what to do next here so uh really appreciate you taking some time out thanks eric it's been great talking to you all right, that is Shani Fink, the Director of Athletics from Seattle University. We also want to thank our other guests today. We had Chris Thompson, Assistant Commissioner of Media Relations for the Western Athletic Conference. We also had Rachel Hill stop by in our first segment. And we want to thank you for listening to the WAC Podcast. Thanks for listening to the WAC Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at WACsports.com.